Okay, we turn now to God's Word and to our subject for this morning, the the glory of God. Last week we introduced our motto verse for the year and that wonderful verse from uh, Song of Songs that speaks about a new season but also in our processes over these past few months as we've been looking to the future we've wanted to refresh and renew in a sense our vision statement, our, our strap line as to what we're about and so this is what we have adopted to live for God's glory love one another, make Jesus Christ known. And I don't know about you, but uh, just reading it challenges me. Because every word of that statement has something in it. Something in it that challenges, but also builds up and encourages, that confronts me there. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be sort of looking at this, uh, this statement. Over the next three weeks, we're looking at this first part of the statement, to live for God's glory. Then we should be moving on to look at the second part, love one another. And then sometime after Easter, we should be looking at the third part, to make Jesus Christ known. Now, I have to confess this morning, I feel rather inadequate just standing in front of you when I begin to consider this whole theme of God's glory. How do you describe, how do you unpack something which is beyond, if you like, our comprehension? Beyond anything that we can begin to imagine. How do you begin to unpack it? Well, we turn to Scripture And I've got a number of verses and passages and it might be just best if you follow it on uh, the PowerPoint because I should be skipping uh, through one or two passages here just highlighting parts of the scripture where it speaks about God's glory. So here we go, Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord the heavenly, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary 
and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. 2 Chronicles 5. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals and other instruments, the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good, his love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud and the priests could not perform their service because the cloud of the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. That must have been an awesome sight. And then Ezekiel, all through Ezekiel, he speaks very much about the glory of God. But then he refers towards the end of the book. The vision I saw was like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city and like the visions I have seen by the river Kiba. And I fell face down. The glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. In John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Words that inspire, words that encourage, words that bring us to this word glory that reflects something of the glory and majesty of God. I wonder when we say this word glory, what do you think about? Maybe a glorious cathedral. Walking into somewhere like St Paul's in London and just seeing such magnificent architecture and such beauty and we speak that word glorious. It might be something like a sunset or a sunrise. And in both situations, you come into a sit- something where you look at it and you think, well, what words can I use to describe it? After Christmas, we were down on, on Brighton Seafront as the sun was going down. And it was just one of those nights where it had been a clear blue, blue sky during the day. And there was that real sort of blazing sense of the sun coming down. And it just for about 10 minutes, really sort of lit up the skyline. And how do you describe it? The reds and the oranges and the yellows. And it was moving every moment, it was changing. And into it there came a murmuration of starlings as they settled onto the old pier for the night. And it was truly awe-inspiring. That word glory, and all you could think of, this is glorious. This is glorious. What image do you think of there? Well, very quickly and very briefly this morning, we're just going to look at the glory of God as a description of God. The glory as it's revealed in Jesus Christ. And glory as an expression of worship. Because all three of those can be found within the, the scriptures there very clearly a description of God. Psalm 24 describes God as the king of glory. 
Psalm 63 verse 2 declares, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Throughout the Old Testament, God's glory is seen in particular places, but also that also indicates his presence, his presence with his people. It appeared to there in the wilderness, there with the wandering Israelites. His glory appeared on the mountain to Moses when he brought the, the Ten Commandments. His glory appeared in the sky, in the skies around us. The psalmist declares, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And we've already referenced that. And most of all, his glory is seen when it fills the temple. That place of worship, that place of worship that the Israelites built, that focused upon the presence of God. And there's some inspiring passages in the scripture that speak of the cloud of God's glory filling the temple. In various places, God's glory is associated with fire, with brilliant light, with thunder, with thick cloud, all of which suggests that God in some way is a mystery that no human mind can fully understand and that he is to be approached with extreme caution. When people encounter God's glory, they are filled with awe and react with fear at his majestic presence. Ezekiel says, "When when I saw it, when I saw the glory, I fell face down. That was his immediate reaction. I fell face down. But all this still leaves us with the question, what is God's glory? And there's a sense in which wanting to try and make a stab at it, but in somehow feeling sort of you're lost for words as to what we're trying to comprehend. God's glory. Okay, the Hebrew word for glory is keavod, which means weightiness, that which is substantial, that which is heavy. And within the Old Testament, heaviness represents honour and substance. It's what you give to someone, it's the honour that you bring to someone, it's the substance they have as that person. We would bring honour, wouldn't we, to the Queen because we would see that she is a person of substance, she's a person of significance. And so, yes, we would bring honour, but that is nothing compared to the honour that we would bring to God and the substance that God has. God is not only a God of honour and renown, but he is also a God of visible splendour. A visible splendour that filled the temple of Solomon there in 1 Kings 8 to 11. We're just going to watch, Sophie, can we watch that second little video, please? Just a little video by John Piper that actually reflects something on the glory of God. Thank you. The glory of God is the manifest beauty of his holiness. It's the going public 
of his holiness. It's, it's the way he puts his holiness on display for, for people to apprehend. The heavens are telling the glory of God. What does that mean? It means he's shouting at us. He shouts with clouds. He shouts with blue expanse. He shouts with gold on the horizons. He shouts with galaxies and stars. He's shouting, I am glorious. Open your eyes. Do you see it? Do you love it? You were made for this. I'm made for this. This is why I exist to see that. Everything is pointing to that. All the glory that I thought was so attractive is going there. This is all husks and ashes. Now we see through a glass darkly. Then, face to face, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. So, the glory that's coming is of such an all-satisfying, infinitely beautiful, totally need-meeting and joy-producing kind. Eighty years of pain will be as nothing. This light, momentary affliction is working for us an eternal weight of what? Glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. God is aiming that we see and savor and treasure His glory, the riches of His glory. So I ask, do you see it? Do you love it? And I'll say again, you were made for this. Thank you. In a sense, some, in one sense, captures something of the awe and the wonder of what that glory is. That glory that is seen in all things, in all creation. Can we go back to the PowerPoint, please? Thank you. There. A description of uh, God's glory. John Piper there speaks about uh, Isaiah 6. Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. In a sense, he speaks about the fact that when you read that verse, you would think that he would sort of say, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his holiness. But he doesn't. He said it's full of his glory. It's full of his glory. The glory of God is the manifestation of his holiness. God's holiness is the incomparable perfection and greatness of his divine nature. His glory is the display of that holiness. His glory is the openness, open revelation of the secret of his holiness. Of who God is, of his majesty, of his splendour, of his infinite perfections. He says in uh, Leviticus, 
I will be proved holy in the sight of all the people. I will be honoured. That simply means it's the word glory. It's the word meaning glorified. When God showed himself to be holy, what we see is his glory. The beauty of holiness. John Piper concludes, The holiness of God is his concealed glory. The glory of God is his revealed holiness. It's God revealing himself in all that he has made, in all that he is, in the glory of the heavens, in the glory of creation, in the glory of the world, his beauty, his majesty, his splendour. But then scripture also says that the glory of God is revealed in Jesus. The glory of God, we are told, is astonishingly associated with a baby. Gone is the thunder, the lightning, the cloud and the fire of the Old Testament. Incredibly, God's glory is linked to that of a crying baby who is totally dependent upon others. As Philip Yancey has put it, the God who roared, who could order armies and empires about like pawns on a chessboard, this God emerged in Palestine as a baby who could not speak or eat solid food or control his bladder, who depended on a teenage couple for shelter, food and love. And in such a child, The glory of God was revealed in such a one. And that's in a sense is a big contrast, isn't it? That on the one hand we've got this sight of the glory of God where it's a a picture of power and of might and of fire and of thunder and of clouds and of thick clouds. But now we have a picture of a God who is accessible a God who is vulnerable, a God who is humble, a God who enters in and draws alongside, a God who kneels and washes our feet. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The writer to the book of Hebrews likewise opens his letter with these words, the Son is the radiance, what? He's the radiance of God's glory. God's glory. The exact representation of his being. And it's John, throughout his gospel, who presents us with this, this, this picture of God's glory in the work and in the ministry of Jesus. All through, his, let's, all through his, his gospel, he references the glory of God, whether it's in his healings, whether it's in his miracles, whether it's in his praying there in John 17, and ultimately there at the cross of Calvary that infinite place of degradation in the human eye, but the place of God's greatest glory, 
there at Calvary and the empty tomb where God displayed his glory in all its riches, in all its power, in all its might, in all its love and its mercy. It was designed to humiliate, degrade and shame, yet God triumphed through it to reveal his glory at Calvary as never before, culminating in the empty tomb. His resurrection and exaltation were further more obvious steps in his path to glory for Jesus. Luke 24, 26, Romans 6, 4. What follows next in the story is the return of the Son of Man. What? Coming on the clouds with power and great glory. A coming together, if you like, of that image of a God of power and a God of of infinite splendour and majesty, but a God who is accessible, a God who is humble, a God who is meek, a God who is prepared to sacrifice. That is the glory of the one that we worship. That is the glory of the one to whom we come. And yes, it is an expression of worship. An expression of worship. That verse in Ezekiel just stood out for me. Just in one sense, because it was the reaction of Ezekiel. I looked and saw the glory of the Lord filling the temple of the Lord. And I fell face down. I fell face down. Is there any other action that we can perform before the presence of this God of glory, this God of might, this God of humility and vulnerability, than to fall on our knees, to fall on our faces? Matt Redman has a CD just entitled Face Down. And the words of the title track says, Welcomed in the courts of the King, I've been ushered into your presence. Lord, I stand on your merciful ground, yet with every step tread with reverence. And I'll fall face down. As your glory shines around, yes, I'll fall face down. As your glory shines around. It's a very powerful song. The shepherds, when the uh, angels had given the message, what was it that the angels said to the shepherds? Glory to God in the highest heavens. What they do is attribute glory to God as an act of praise. Their praise simply expresses what they already know of God. His glory is an objective description of what they know about him, used as a word of adoration. In doing this, they stand in a long tradition of Israel where the heavenly beings are encouraged to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord glory due to his name. Where again in the psalmist, shout for joy to God 
all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. To sing the glory of God is to proclaim his ultimate worth, his majesty and his splendour. Paul, when concluding his letter to Rome, having scaled the mountain peaks of salvation's triumph, concludes with this doxology. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. In the way Paul wrote this verse, there is no verb in it. It simply says literally, to him, glory. To God, glory. Making it both a worshipping, worshipful statement of fact and a worshipful expression of longing. It is a cry of Paul's heart. Is that our cry? Is that my cry? That in everything that I am and in everything that I do, I might bring glory to the King of glory. And that's where we're heading over the next couple of weeks is in a sense how we do that to live for his glory Father thank you for your word thank you that we can just meditate and reflect upon this word glory just fill our hearts and our minds now with that real sense of your presence and of your glory in Jesus name Amen we're going to worship